Welcome to The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Kelsey. And this week, it's pretty appropriate. We're discussing White Christmas, and it's the first snow of the year. I can't believe it's snowing. Do you love it? No. Do you want to wash your hair and your face in it? (laughs) You know what? As soon as it started really coming down, I ran out there and brought my shampoo with me. That's why my hair looks so good today. Wow. I mean... Mm-hmm. Irving Berlin was really on to something. He really knows uh, women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i not the biggest snow fan. I'm uh-huh. not. I used to be before I had responsibilities. Right. And now snow just gets in the way of everything. I feel like, especially here in Nashville, where the city just kind of shuts down and nobody knows right. how to drive. It's not our fault. We don't get it a lot. Right. We're not equipped to deal with this. That right. would and be like, a waste of money. It snows like three times a year, like investing millions of dollars into snow plows and salt trucks or whatever wouldn't really make sense, I don't think, fiscally. But it, right. it, but it just means that the city shuts down when it snows. Yeah. And it just, ugh, it's gross. Snow in the south is usually, it's not pretty. It's not picturesque. We're not getting any Vermont snows right. down here. It's mm-hmm. just icy and it... Yeah, and like it rained yesterday. It rained yesterday, so it's going to turn to ice. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I did I did grow grow up in New England, so I'm familiar with a Vermont esque snow. Mm -hmm. We actually had much nicer. um, Like the first year I lived in Massachusetts, I was like 10 years old, and there was an April 1st, an April Fool's Day snowstorm that was like four four feet of snow. See, that's too extreme for me. I don't think I'd want snow starting that early or late. That late. Going that late. Yeah, yeah. it's going that late. Ew, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. And, of course, school was canceled. But, like, up there, we didn't really cancel school because there was enough, you know. Yeah. At, like, people had their own, like, private snow plows and stuff to, right. to plow their driveways. You had the infrastructure. Yeah. R.I.P. Snow days in the South because now everything is online. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They can't really. They can't really celebrate it anymore. I loved a good snow day. Oh God, a snow day. I mean, I was a human child. Right. They were great. A snow day was. Do you remember turning on the radio and like waiting for your school to? Um, not the radio because I grew up um in the '90s, but the television, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would I would turn on the radio because I had like a clock radio, so I didn't have to like go to the living room to do it. I could like stay in bed and listen. Was it a Nickelodeon radio? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I just remember like it was like a Gak, like green. Not what did they call it? Gak was a toy. The slime, just I mean, it was a slime green. We weren't slime. rich, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't have Nickelodeon magazine. I don't think I... Oh, I I did. You did? did, Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) We had to sell magazines for something, and that just meant my family bought them. Oh, I wanted Nickelodeon magazine. Remember the commercials? Listen, it was was a good read. The commercials when the kid is um, mowing Nickelodeon magazine, please. Yeah. That was me. Anyway. All right. Sorry. So, so White Christmas, the 1954... 54 post-war classic. Yeah, yes. Starts um, starts in the war. Right. But it is post-war. Now, I didn't realize that this came out like 12 full years after Holiday Inn. Right. 
I didn't I hadn't realized that. It's not really a sequel at all. It no. doesn't have a lot to do with Holiday Inn other than featuring the song White Christmas. And Bing Crosby, but right. he doesn't play the same character, I don't think. Right. Although um the set of the hotel is is the Holiday same. Inn. Right. Yeah. There's okay. actually if you want like a little cozy watch, um, there is a um Holiday Inn Broadway production on the PBS app right now. I didn't think it ever made it to Broadway. I saw that this was like they maybe did a, five years ago. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. They did have a, a a little run there over the winter season. Yeah. I don't think it was a staple. No, I think it just happened the once, and it's who's it's, in it. It's no one that you would know. It's not like any. <laughs> there's no names in it, but I it's gotcha. it's really good. And they have they omitted any blackface or anything like that. So. <laughs> well, there's no wait. You're talking about White Christmas, right? Or Holiday Inn? I thought Inn. Holiday Inn was the one that had blackface in the. Yeah, in the Holiday movie. Inn is the one that's going. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Blackface. Yeah, and White Christmas, they just reminisce about it. Yeah, they're like, oh, minstrel shows. Uh. Yeah, so there's a Holiday Inn Broadway production on PBS. So I think we've established already that there's some problems. Right. With so, these musicals. I, I, I hesitate to ask, but what is your uh, rating? No, I want to know yours first. I don't know. I mean, I, I will admit this, that this wasn't really a movie that I grew up with. No, me I would, either. I would say that the first time I saw it was probably like when I was like 20 or so, 19 or 20. So it doesn't have as much like nostalgia factor for me. Yeah, and I think that with a lot of classical uh, or classic uh, musical movies, nostalgia is a very important element right. to how much you, you like them today. Mm-hmm. I think it's even more so important here. I also don't have it <laughs> any nostalgic feelings for White Christmas. I'm going to give it a C. Yeah, I was going to... C plus maybe, but I'm just getting nervous. It's a C. It's I, a C for Christmas. I want to give it. Okay, I want to give it like a. I want to give it like an eighty three, like a B minus, but almost a B. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two points shy. Yeah. One point shy of a B. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. I mean, it has White Christmas in it, but obviously. It didn't. This movie didn't originate that song, so you can't give it that credit. <laughs> and there's not really any other Christmas songs in it. No, this movie is not a movie about Christmas. It has no. nothing to do with Christmas other than it's set during the Christmas time. I'm sorry, if, if, y'all, if we're like dashing any of your dreams or anything, but... It has nothing to do with Christmas. It has nothing to do with Christmas other than the fact that it's set in Christmas. And there's all these, like... It's very nostalgic about war... Which I have a hard time with, even though, I mean, I understand, like, in the 50s, like, post-war, like, uh, I, I get that. Yeah. Can we, can we dive into the opening scene? Because yeah. I, I, I also have some questions or comments about how war is used in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, it opens, um, it's, it's in Italy, World War II. Yeah, 19... 19- 1944. And um, we open with Wallace, played by Bing Crosby. Yeah, Bob. And, yeah, Bob Wallace, Captain Captain Bob Wallace, and then Private Phil, Phil Davis, Yeah, played by Danny Kaye. Yeah. 
and they're doing a, a little Christmas show for mm-hmm. the boys. So they're actually, they're, yeah, I was confused at the beginning. I didn't know if they were like doing like a USO type thing, but they're actually part of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Right, just... exactly. And as they're doing their Christmas show, we're introduced to General Waverly. Mm-hmm. He drives up and we find out, A, he does not like Christmas. He says, and I quote, uh, there's no, well, actually, I don't quote because I can't remember the quote, <laughs> but something like there's no Christmas in the army. Mm-hmm. Or there's no time for Christmas in the army. And um, we also find out he's being replaced. Right. So he walks in, and I believe this is when they go into... Because we love him. <laughs> well, they go into the song White Christmas oh, first. Oh, right. Yes, you're right. You're yeah, right. Wallace does his... Or Bing Crosby does his White Christmas rendition. And, okay, I just want to... I, I want to stop here. How old are we supposed to think Bing Captain Cro- Yeah. Oh, oh Captain, Captain Wallace is Bing in this movie. I was wondering too, because later on he talks about like it's time for me to settle down and start a family. <laughs> right. Okay. Bing Crosby was fifty one. He was fifty one. <laughs> Guess how old General Waverly is, or the actor, Dean Jagger. Oh how Fifty one. <laughs> He's like an old man. <laughs> He's actually a few months younger than Bing Crosby. Oh, that's another question that I had. Did they? I think I might have. I don't. Did I miss when they said which of the sisters is older? Yes. Okay. Judy is the youngest sister. Vera Ellen. Which is she's like ten years or eight and years she's actually, older. Eight yeah. years older. She than, was thirty-three, and Rosemary Clooney was twenty-six. Yeah. Although I will say. They they sold it. I don't know if it was in their style. She does styling. have a more, and she does have a more like motherly presence. Than well, she just uh, there's something about her bone structure that just looks very like poised and elegant and mature. She looks great in it. She looks great. My dad has a huge crush on, or had a huge crush on Rosemary Clooney back in George Clooney's aunt. Mm-hmm. She Fun sure fact. is. Um, um, okay, so, so yeah, let's get to the. <laughs> The Old Man is the name of the song. <laughs> right. George, or, uh, General Waverly goes in. He He's sort of sitting in the back of the audience. And after Bing Crosby, Captain Wallace finishes singing White Christmas, he says something along the lines of, I wish our general was here. He's He just praises him. Uh, he starts, I think that's, Stop me if I'm wrong, but that's when they start singing the song, or maybe... I think so, yeah. Or no, he... The general shows up, and he calls them to attention, and he gives this thing about how there's a new guy coming in, and he's going to whip you into shape. And this is their, like, send-off song for him. And then they start singing the send-off song for him, where they very much emphasize that they love him. They love him. Um, Yeah. So I'm watching this scene, and... I don't, listen, I don't know anything about war. No, me either. I don't know how they work. But it appears to me that they are being actively bombed Mm -hmm. during this song. And they don't stop singing. They just get a little bit quieter. And they duck down a couple times. Right. (laughs) They just keep singing the song. It doesn't seem like they are participating in whatever combat is happening. (laughs) No, they're not. And finally, (laughs) the bombs are actually falling on them. So they stop. And that's when, and that's when um, 
Phil save, sa- saves Bob's life, right? Yeah, he pushes him out of the way of a collapsing wall that just looks like a bunch of foam bricks right. getting knocked over <laughs> in a play place. <laughs> but um, he, he knocks him out of the way, and it becomes a thing throughout the rest of the movie. Well, yeah, that's how... So it's like there's a trope in movies, like you save someone's life, like, I'll do anything for you, and you have to keep the promise. So, you know. Yeah. So he's like, what can I do for you? And Phil says you know sing with me do duets with me like be my singing and dancing partner right very very quickly he capitalizes on the fact that he saved his life and that's another element or another theme throughout the film is how we capitalize or how entertainers Mm -hmm. specifically i think capitalize on certain projects what's the angle what's the angle Mm -hmm. yeah how how are you getting ahead on this right so i wanted to um, step back for just a second to talk about. Did you notice how the movie started with that? It said it was the first picture in Vista Vision. Oh, that's right. I did notice that. So I did a little bit of research about Vista Vision. Um, so this was film that was um, oriented horizontally on the film mm-hmm. on the 35 millimeter so that it would be widescreen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was higher resolution. It was inter- introduced uh, by. Developed and introduced by Paramount um, as a it was a com- as competition f- against Cinescope, which was another widescreen um, format. Right. Um, but Cinescope, you had to have like the specific projector, and and every theater had to have this specific projector in order to use this technology. Um, but VistaVision was a- you were able to like print. You were able to print the film on regular vertical 35 millimeter after you had filmed. Mm. So it was a much more affordable way to do that. Yeah. And I remember reading in some of the older reviews. I mean, I don't think there's a single one that didn't talk about the Vista Vision. Yeah. The colors were brighter and specifically um, the dancing was better because you could see the Right. There was no blurriness. Yeah, exactly. Or very little. Yeah. So if you work at the Belcourt or you like going there, that's for you. There you go. And um, so what was the other thing? Oh, so this technology kind of only, they only use this for like seven years or something. Yeah, it got quickly replaced by something else. Yeah. But um, I do remember they used it in Star Wars. Yeah, it was used in Star Wars. And the other big one that used VistaVision all the way through was uh, Vertigo. Oh. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but that that technology that they developed is um, uh, the, the beginnings of what became IMAX. Yes. I love IMAX. Mm-hmm. I really love a good IMAX Me movie. Me too. Me too. In high school when we did the stock market simulation thing, I invested in IMAX. Oh, Only yeah. student to see our return that year. You won. I mean, it was like, it was 2006. So <laughs> it, was, it wasn't great. <laughs> All right, so we have so they so now Bob and Phil are incredibly successful in their duo oh, yeah. act. Yeah, Wallace Davis act boffo, yeah. according to the Variety headline. <laughs> yeah, they. Um, yeah, we should mention he he does successfully convince Wallace to team up with him yeah. because he saved his life, and Wallace is reluctant, but he goes with it. They're a huge hit, and they've started producing. Yeah. And I think when we catch back up with them, it's they're, they're performing. 54. Yeah. Yeah. And they are coming off of a two-year run mm-hmm. on Broadway. And they're singing Blue Skies. I think they might do another, like, a little 
medley with a couple of songs from Blue Skies is the one I remember from that. Yeah, Blue Skies and uh, yeah, that's the only important one. Yeah. And and then Davis, um, we find out Davis is very concerned about setting up Wallace with somebody with so- anybody. Yeah. And we're introduced to this ditzy character that's throughout the movie. Oh my god! The mutual, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is a reason. It's one of the many reasons um, that I, I struggle with this movie because the joke is 100%. She's an idiot. Yeah. And I just refuse to believe there's any woman that that is that dumb that doesn't <laughs> understand mutual. I'm sure only applies. In one context, <laughs> which is, I assume, charmed to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, how do you do? And she, Mutual, I'm sure. And she says it again later, later in the movie. Yeah. Because yeah. she's one of the ones that they bring to the be in the show, right? But I think I think <clears throat> she's cute. and I like her. She's not a well-written character. No. Um, but he, he mostly ignores her and her friend, and they are super pissed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, not even a kiss my foot, which I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm, I don't understand. Like, is he saying kiss my foot? Is she supposed to say kiss my foot? Why, Why are, are we they kissing, kissing feet? feet? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. That's, you know, just one of those 50s slang uh, terms that I'm just not hep to. So Phil is really concerned about Bob being lonely. Bob takes off his pants. Did you notice? The, the pants are so high. And he takes them off and you see his little tidy whities and his little thighs. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Wait, this is Bing Crosby? Yeah. I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> My eyes weren't wandering. And this is when he's talking about how it's time to start a family. Oh, yeah, but he can't with the women there because they're just too ambitious. Too ambitious and dumb. Oh, my gosh. It's... <laughs> yeah. So they get a... It's rough. So one of their old army buddies... Freddie Haynes. Freddie Haynes has sisters that he wants um, Wallace and Davis Davis to to check out. Yeah. Yeah. And Davis doesn't want to go, it seems, just because he thinks Freddie is ugly. <laughs> he makes a big deal. What about is it. what is his nickname? He has he has dog freckled face freckled dog, face dog face. Um, I don't I don't know. But a fun fact is later in the movie we see a picture of him, and a I think he's pretty cute. <laughs> and b he is the grown up actor um, who played Alfalfa oh. in the original. Um, yeah, I think it was called Our Little Gang, Rascals. Yeah, yeah, Little Rascals. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah. think he made. He was in a bunch of things around this time. And I he believe. was a freckle face, but he, yeah. I think he was adorable. I think he was in It's a Wonderful Life. He certainly wasn't dog face. No. I mean, that's just rude to say about anybody, but... It's all those freckles. He it's just, also he... inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the club. I think it's in Florida. Mm-hmm. And they see the girls. Um, right before the girls go on, Novello... The club owner, or the MC at least, he goes and tells them Wallace and Davis are here, and pretty quickly it's uh, it's it's apparent that Judy has written the letter. She also fesses to it, you know, just as quickly as the audience figures it out. Mm-hmm. But she wrote the letter, and uh, Betty disagrees, but she's you know. They let it go. Yeah, she'll go along with it. So they go on stage and perform. Sisters. Sisters. 
Oh my I, goodness. <laughs> I like this song. I have a this is another thing I don't know know much about. Um sorority life. I just imagine a lot of sororities oh, saying this. Gross. Don't you think? That they would like this would they be like would. their like their song. That their they, song, yeah. yeah. Especially they, like in the fifties. They would have like a a house oh, talent show. And, absolutely. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. And then the fraternity brothers would come do the yeah, they oh, do the, the same thing the way that yeah. Yeah. Oh it's not my favorite song. It's not my favorite. It's fun. It's, it's fine. It's, what is it? God um God help the mister who comes between me and my sister. And, and God help the sister who, who comes, comes between, between me and, and my, my man. man. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that is not Vera Ellen singing? It's not. It's actually Rosemary Clooney. So, yeah. Um, I've, I did a little, yeah. There's there's one singer who does most of Vera Ellen's vocal parts in this movie. Trudy. Yeah. But, Trudy uh, but Stevens. But on this song in particular, it's just two Rosemary Clooney's. Yes. And it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Honestly, when you hear it, yeah. Once I've, yeah, once I looked that up, it it definitely sounds like it's just two of her. So after the song, they're all sitting at the table before they pair off, and um, it, it becomes clear that Judy and Davis are striking up a thing, and mm-hmm. Betty and Wallace are trying to strike up a thing, but they're not totally hitting it off. Yeah, they have a disagreement about something. Oh, it's about the ang- having an angle in show business or whatever. It's that theme She just theme thinks again. it's a really cynical view, yeah. I suppose. Right. Yeah. But uh, then we cut back to Davis and Judy. And this is about the time in the film where I'm honestly... I'm trying to remember why did I ever like this. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just... The performances have been fine, you know, the mm-hmm. song White Christmas is cool, whatever. But there hasn't been a whole lot, in my opinion, going for the film. But then we get the first big dance number, and that's when I remember, oh, yeah. She is an incredible She's dancer. She's so good. Um, but it's, yeah, I, but I just melt. But her waist is shocking. She's very, very small. And there were actually... Um, a lot of anorexia rumors about yeah. her. Like, I don't give a lot of... I, I don't give any credit to those rumors. I wouldn't either. I mean, she never saw any health problems that we know of. I mean, I she backed away from the public eye not long after. This was yeah, this her, like second her second to last. last movie. Yeah. yeah, her daughter died, or her child... I can't remember who's the daughter, but her child died from sudden infant death syndrome oh. from SIDS, yeah, when he or she was, like, three months old, and yeah. after that, she she just, she gave up the public life, so I don't think a whole lot is known about her afterwards, but people have spoken about her and said, um, you know, yes, she was very, very thin, and keeping her figure was important to her, but she didn't struggle health-wise. I mean, you can't, I don't, I feel like you can't be that physical when if you're so weak from anorexia. I mean, I'm not an expert on anorexia. Yeah. Or There's any, a lot of topics we don't know a lot about yeah. on today's show. But I feel like <laughs> eating disorders and especially anorexia would leave you pretty weak. She is an incredible, incredible dancer. Yeah, she's a, an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but she she actually died um, at age 60 from ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. 
And really Rose, sad. Rosemary Clooney died. I mean, she was much older. Lung cancer. Lung I cancer think. in like 2001, something like that. Two or three. Yeah. 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 Very sad. Anyway, so but but we see see a glimpse of her dancing here, and it's great. It's it's very good. And I'm glad. I'm just glad that they feature that they feature her dancing so much. I do too. I I think that's something that I really miss in musicals. And I mean, it it is worth noting. <laughs> she's in a musical and she doesn't sing. Right. But uh, hey, Rosemary Clooney didn't dance. Right. That's, that was okay. She just kind of walked around. Yeah, and she says as much, you yeah. know. She, she's always said, I wasn't a great dancer, but hey, she couldn't sing. So <laughs> between was, the two of us, we made a good film. There was a vo- there was So apparently, Vera Ellen did do some, some singing and other things. Not much. But they gave a category to her type of voice. Um, I don't remember what it was. It's like, it, it has a specific name, and it's like, it's like light soprano joke voice. I don't remember. <laughs> joke voice? Yeah, I, I don't... That's anyway. rude. I know. Kind of passive aggressive. So they do their dance number. Um, and then the... So it, it, I guess that the girls <laughs> lit their hotel room on fire or something. There's been a fire and a rug <laughs> was damaged. Right. And the landlord claims they owe $200, which must have been an insane amount of money <laughs> in 1954 because their answer to that is we flee town right now. Also, who has a $200 rug in a hotel room? I mean... Maybe there's just smoke damage to the rug. I don't know. I don't... But it's not their hotel. It's the apartment. Oh, yeah. So that, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a furnished... Oh yeah, and they're, they're living a, space, right? And there's been a hole in the rug. Yeah. And the landlord wants them arrested for it. Yeah, they're on a they're in a police chase because of this rug. And so Davis, it's unclear why they don't just pay off the debt. That seems the easiest thing to do because we see later on that Wallace is walking around with a large amount of cash on him. Yeah, they're like they're very successful, rich. I would assume rich people. Yeah, and Wallace wants to pay it off too, but Davis says something about, "Oh, we're not going to let that chattering rat win or something." <laughs> so the solution is Davis, without Wallace's knowing, gives the girls their train tickets. Right, and then. <laughs> And then they decide to... They hop out the window, and then uh, the girls do. The Mm -hmm. girls hop out the window, uh, ride into a taxi, and they go to the train station. And then the men, to create a diversion, do a cross-dressing, lip-sync version of Sisters. Right, which is great. And was also unscripted. Really? Yeah, it was not in the movie originally. Um... The guys were doing it on set, behind the scenes, just being funny and passing time, and everyone loved it, so they decided to put it in the film. That's cute. I don't think Bing Crosby really wanted to do it. Um, in fact, in the take that they use, you see him not getting the lyrics right and laughing a lot, like a lot, a lot. And um, he was convinced that because of of those moments the film wasn't usable there's no way it was gonna see the light of day but But sure enough they found it very charming the most successful film of the year (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, I um I and wasn't quite as charmed by that scene, but um I'm sure it was a hoot in 1954. What year did um Some Like It Hot come out? I don't know. Another I didn't research that. Another famous drag movie of the time. Do you know the premise? Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe is in it, and she's like in like this traveling band, an all girls traveling band, and um, it's Tony Curtis and um, Jack Lemon, and they are musicians that are like wanted by the mob, and but they so they want to disappear, but they also want to keep their jobs, so they dress in drag, and join this all girls traveling music troupe. Yeah, I should watch that. Movie. Yeah, watch it. Interesting. Um, okay, so they're, the the boys meet them on the train, they're going to Vermont. Um, and uh, Bob finds out that they have to, like, buy tickets that aren't as good as the ones that they gave to the girls. He's very mad about it, but mm-hmm. he has the $97 on hand, which, again, makes you, why didn't you just pay the $200? <laughs> but whatever. There'd be no movie without that. Right. So, um... Yeah, he pays the two hundred or the hundred dollars for the tickets. He's still very mad that they have to stay up all night in the bar cart, and he's about to like go hit the women or something. <laughs> I mean, that's what he threatens. And then they actually show up, and Judy gives him a kiss on each on the cheek, and um, all of a sudden he's totally calmed down. They're best and friends. They're best friends. And it's time to sing your favorite song. <laughs> I hate this song. <laughs> it's called I'm, Snow. This this movie lost a whole letter grade from me <laughs> because of this song. And this is actually like the only other song from this movie that is even a, you're even able to use on like a Christmas station these days. Right. Which is so And it's still not about Christmas. No. It's about the weather. <laughs> yeah. And it has some of the weirdest lines I've the ever heard. The weirdest lines. My Okay, my two favorite coming from uh, both of the girls. Uh-huh. I want to wash my hands, my face, and hair with snow. I... Uh, Excuse me? I just... Well, you know women. Why? You know women. Snow they're... is gross. <laughs> um... <laughs> Ah, oh, kooky girls. <laughs> and then, um, I want to see a great big man entirely made of snow. I mean, I understand what she's saying. She's saying I want to see a snowman, but what right. an odd way to say it. Yeah, it sounds like she's sexually attracted to snow. It is it is a little sexual. <laughs> right? I want to see a great Honest, big man. The hairline is a little sexual, yeah, too, quite look, frankly. Like you want to roll around in it. Ugh. Yeah. It, I mean, that just sounds like a disaster. Frostbite, like, it's going to be gross. Also, do they know? Get, like, twigs in it's like hair? It's kind of like um olaf from frozen like do they know snow's cold it's very cold <laughs> is that a thing in frozen i watched it but it's not a, really. his name is olaf right the snowman no he just doesn't know that heat can kill him like he doesn't uh, understand that snow melts that's a bummer so anyway frozen is so sad so uh judy and phil decide that they're gonna come together and be matchmakers Am I skipping something? I think, well, you're skipping, yeah. Oh, okay. Because they have to get to the hotel. Right. 
They arrive in Vermont to find out that it is 68 degrees and it hasn't snowed since There's no snow. That ha- That is how the general makes his money. Um, right. They get to the hotel. Well, we don't even know that the general's the hotel owner yet. Right. They get to the hotel. Sorry. Go ahead. And Mary Ellen, the housekeeper uh-huh. and president of the New England Society of Busybodies or something. <laughs> It comes up later. She tells the girls, we can't book you or we can't honor your contract because no one's here because it's not snowing and everyone right. comes here for the snow. And they say that they can, like, give them, like, half. A, a, yeah, half. They're going to give them half, which I guess is generous. If, if you, you're not going to perform. If you, yeah. yeah, and there's no billing. But um, so that's when the general walks in and they don't realize that their general is going to be there. So it's yeah. a big surprise. And... Phil Davis, Private Phil Davis, especially, like, he can't get over the fact that the general is doing janitorial work. Right. He's carrying logs. Ugh. It's so beneath him. Right. Even though he's the owner of this place. I mean, whatever. I mean, he's just stepping up and doing his thing. Exactly. Yeah. I think Private Davis is... He, he should shut up. Get your head out of the war. Just who cares if he's carrying wood? He takes pride in his business, and he wants to do the work himself. Right. Like, later on, he says, gotta go, I'm on KP, and I had to look that up. Apparently, it means kitchen police. Oh. It's a war thing, and it's if you are assigned to do, like, all the jobs nobody else wanted to do, like peeling potatoes and carrots and sweeping floors and stuff. Yeah. Because he really doesn't have much staff. No, it it appears to be him... uh, the housekeeper and his granddaughter. Yes, but it never Season. it never says what what happened to his kids, right? That his granddaughter lives with him. Okay. Not important. Yeah, the granddaughter has two lines. We don't care. <laughs> so, uh, but he says we're going to honor the contract, and he makes a little joke about suing them for non-performance if they don't do it. Mm-hmm. So they're there to stay. The girls perform that night to a few people. There's really not that many people there, but right. they perform a little bit, and um, the the next morning they sit down for breakfast. And what's her name? Ellen. Ellen. Ellen, Ellen is yeah. the uh, the house. No, Emma. Emma. That's right. Emma. Emma. Right? Emma. 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 You're and right. Emma tells them that the general sunk all of his money into the hotel. Right. Yeah. So they start coming up with ways to get hatch the plan to save the inn. One of my favorite lines. Oh, I know. Oh, and I gotta, I gotta double back to something. But one of my favorite lines that sort of dates this movie is, um, they're like, "We gotta get a novelty," and I think Davis says, "What about a Democrat?" <laughs> or Wallace does. And I, I think very few people look at Vermont as like a totally Republican state these days. Right. Bernie. Actually, Danny Kay, famous Democrat. Oh well, you know who was a famous Republican. Ben Crosby? I was going to... Well, probably. Oh, no. Rosemary Clooney. Uh, I thought it was Vera. Oh, I think maybe. I they know. probably all were. <laughs> <laughs> they probably all were. Um, another thing... We skipped over it earlier, but another thing I noted that really dates the movie is they... The two girls, the Haynes sisters, talk about their brother being out of the country because he's in Alaska. Oh. Because it was did, 1954. When did Alaska become a state? I think 59. Interesting. So, yeah, not so until was later. It, 
Was it part of Canada at the time? It was a territory, so I don't think saying... It would be like saying they're in Puerto Rico, that, that which would... I would probably still call out of the country, but not technically. Right. So, yeah, yeah it's a U.S. territory. Overseas. Um, so they decide that they got to save the inn, and so they hatch this plan to do a show, right? They're going to bring the show that they're already producing. Right, which is called... Uh, Playing Around. Playing Around. So they're bringing their cast... It's unclear what it's about. <laughs> yeah, there's no... I mean, it's all over the place. Plot is not this Minstrel movie's... Minstrel numbers. <laughs> choreography. <laughs> plot is not this movie's uh, strong suit. Actually, this movie had to be rewritten. I was looking at... Because the original draft, apparently, like, the guy who rewrote it said it was the worst experience of his entire life rewriting this movie. Because yeah, they the had plot to rewrite so it bad. for Danny Kay. Because Ori- originally it was for Fred Astaire. Uh huh. And then it was for. <sighs> Fred Astaire backed out because he said he was retired at the time. I think he read the script and just said, mm mm. I'm out. And then Donald O'Connor. Mm-hmm. who was in Singing in the Rain, but okay. I don't remember who he was. He was given the role next, but he got sick right before filming. Okay. So then Danny Kay got it, but by my estimate, Danny Kay didn't even really want it because he demanded what at the time was an insane salary. Yeah. He asked for $200,000 plus 10% of gross profits. Wow. Which is pretty, I mean, I don't... Again, I don't know a lot about negotiating yeah. <laughs> billing in the 50s, but I, that does sound like a lot. A yeah. lot for the time. Especially to get to get a percentage like that. Of gross. Yeah. 10%. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was monumental. And, and he got it? And he got it. Wow. I think the studio realized we've already delayed this film for so long we're going to spend that much money if we delay it again. So just I, give it to them. Because they started, they didn't they start um, development in like 48 or something? I don't know if it went that far back, but, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I want to say they had started at least as early as 50, yeah. 1950. Yeah. So, yeah, famously um, difficult to rewrite and bad plot wise um i mean i guess they fixed, I fixed they, it as much as yeah, they could I think they mostly just gave danny k like comedy that yeah. suited him you know he was very slapstick yeah and have he was um, good at physical stuff have bing be the straight man yeah so uh where are we so they're bringing in the, M- the, oh, the right. new york they're, people they're bringing in the new york people. and then they're practicing the minstrel show in into mandy yeah and i'll note they they tell waverly to get away with it that they're just rehearsing right it's an ideal location to just rehearse mm-hmm. move the whole thing yeah to vermont uh so they do yeah they do the minstrel number yikes yeah it's very um they're very nostalgic about that aren't they very nostalgic about it <laughs> i i will say i think that the colors we see in this set design is one of the big I, I think the colors are there because they're trying to showcase the VistaVision technology mm-hmm. because they've got a grape purple backdrop. They have em- men in emerald green suits or tuxedos and then this like bright bright red. It's not even a cherry red. It's a it's something in between. And I feel like it's kind of their attempt at it, like some sort of modernism. It's 
But they also later on like make fun of modern like modern dance and yeah with the choreography number i think that it's um i'll just say it's an ugly color scheme yeah (laughs) it's really (laughs) gross but it's vivid yeah it's it's i do wonder if it appeared i mean it must have i wonder what it looked like in real life right yeah like if the sets were really that that colorful like bright and vivid yeah colors don't translate the same way on film no i learned that from fashion police fashion so yeah there's some other song in between and then we go into mandy which i know you have to agree with this when she comes out it's very sateen oh yeah of moulin rouge i yeah i really like this number i mean her i mean that's just another excuse to showcase vera ellen's dancing but yeah, I mean, it's a total showstopper. Yeah. It's really good, and I, it is funny the way it ends with General Waverly and his company, like, just giving, like, very mm-hmm. polite applause. Yeah. And, and they've just done, I mean, it's actually really kind of similar to what they do in Moulin Rouge, which we're going to do Moulin Rouge later, yeah. so I don't want to talk about it too much, <laughs> but there are a few scenes where they're performing for the Duke, and he's just like, okay. Oh, they, yeah, they do the big finale, and he's so, like... I don't like it. <laughs> right. Like the response is just it's not there. I don't um, like the ending. <laughs> so they do Mandy and then um we see the girls going to bed in full makeup. We cut to they're oh, in their course. bedroom. They're going to bed in full yeah. makeup with bright red painted lips. Mm-hmm. And Judy and Davis are scheming. Yeah. So they decide that they're gonna send them both down. Um, Wallace and Betty yeah. to the snack bar. Yeah. Um, to, what did they get? Little sandwiches and sandwiches and buttermilk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, every New Vermont Inn has a craft service table. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene where they're in the snack hall or snack bar, whatever it is. Oh, and Judy gets Betty to go there by saying, "You know, I read." That if you eat before bed, you it sleep, drains uh, the blood, blood to your from, stomach. <laughs> yeah, it drains the blood from your brain, so you won't think those distracting thoughts <laughs> that are keeping you awake. Which I wish that were true. Yeah, um, not. But I've true. tested it. Famously untrue. I've tested this theory. It is incorrect. <laughs> so don't try this at home. Um, and so, uh, yeah. They run into each other. Betty goes to the snack hall, snack bar. And in this scene, Bing Crosby uh, apparently very famously improvised the whole bit about the sandwiches and the dreaming of women. Really? Yeah, he just came up with it. He ad-libbed a lot throughout the movie. Uh, It just, it seemed, from what I read, it seems to be just... They gave him deference to do what he wanted to do because he was being Crosby. He was the name. So a lot of the of the slang that you may have noticed throughout, that was him. Like at the beginning, they say slam bang a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that was a, a Crosbyism. They he also what says a, what a hip cat. He says what's the beef, which <laughs> I didn't know they said in 1954. Yeah, uh, he says. Grab the cow, talking about the buttermilk. <laughs> and then at they one go to the point, fire, right? Yeah, and I think I think it's in this scene, but I can't remember. At one point, he also um, says "Weird's Mobile," <laughs> <laughs> which is something I'll be bringing back. 
So this this fireplace is gorgeous. Yeah, I, want, I love the fireplace. It's so, and it's so modern to be in this like cozy little. Well, in the seventies, a lot of houses had like conversation dens. Right. You know where you'd have like a sunken in living room sure. and a. You might even see in a very modern 70s household that fireplace in the center of the room because you'd gather around. And the room was really based upon uh, communal. Yes, exactly. So that's what I I saw it as. But you're right. This is the 50s. Right. There's a lot of kind of modern things. I mean, that whole, I mean, we're going to get there later, but the whole choreography number just, it seems like a... <laughs> so avant-garde. It's, but it seems like a 60s vignette to me. It's a little, I, I don't know. I think you may have been right, though, that they're, they might just be making fun of it. Right. I mean, I think they are making fun of it. I just didn't know that it was something that was big enough to make fun of in 1954. So they sing uh, in this scene with the fireplace. Counting my blessings. Nominated for best original song. It's a great song. Did not win. Um, and I said, "This song makes me cry now." Okay, twenty twenty. What? Mm. Oh Lord, this Oops. song made me think. Count what blessings? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I have a lot of blessings. I really do. But I guarantee you that they will not make me fall asleep. Mm-hmm. No. It, it, it just sounded like bad sleep advice to me. Right. It's a cynical view. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's but it's a beautiful song, and it's sort of the... Um, it's sort of the... This song comes in and out throughout the whole movie in different ways. I mean, I think they sing it again at the end... Or he sings it a couple scenes later, and it also mm-hmm. comes in like instru- That's true, yeah. instrumental versions. Sure. So they're trying to get it in your head. Yeah, and I remember at some at some Oscars they included it in a medley. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it was nominated. It did not win. It lost to Three Coins in the Fountain from a film of the same name. No idea. I've never heard of Three Coins in the Fountain. You know, as we've been doing this podcast, I I keep finding or I keep looking up these best original song nominations. Mhm. And the ones that I love never won. Never win, and I have no idea what the one that won, the one that won. The one that won. I'm not familiar with it ever. Yeah. Very rarely. So, did you know that um so Bing Crosby's style of like very soft singing was very different at the time when he was starting. You mean crooning? Yeah. Um, so it was, it wasn't really able to be done until like a certain kind of a certain kind of microphone was invented that could like capture that. Is it this kind of it's microphone? It's probably this kind of microphone. Welcome to Delicious <laughs> Dish. And I wonder. If he, if he did the same thing like in live performances, if he was able to sing with as much quiet nuance. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, I did not notice the nuance. I didn't think there was any nuance in this movie. <laughs> okay, so... So they go back to the general, I believe. Oh, well, after the song ends, we should note... Oh, they kiss. 
they kiss because they're in love. Yeah, they're obviously Betty in love. and Captain Wallace are in love, and Davis and Judy are watching from the window because they are voyeurs. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they are... The whole time, they're kind of... They're acting like they're more invested in Betty and Bob's relationship, and they're, like, teaming up. They're and, just schemers. Yeah, and putting their heads together. But ultimately, this sort of scheming together leads to them falling in love, does too. It, does it? Let's talk about that later. Okay. Because I have, I, I've, I want to ask you some questions I mean, they about would, that. I mean, they would lead you to believe that, is what I'm saying. But before we get to that, let's talk about how the next day, General Waverly is just, like, chilling um, out on the bench, and the men are playing horseshoes. What kind of What kind of car is that? so loud. It's very loud. Uh, he's playing horse, or no, he's watching the men play horseshoes. Mm-hmm. And then Bing Crosby drives up, and he's in this like outdoor utility vehicle. Yeah, he's got like this army jeep. Goodbye, friend! And so, Bye! <laughs> and so, um, he has gone into town. He's doing chores for Emma. He's gone into town. He's picked up the new handbells for the show, and He's also picked up the mail, although he doesn't disclose that immediately. Right. He only discloses it when the general mentions, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm gonna going to go back. back. I'm going to go back to the army. They'll I fi- guess they'll for have... the Korean War. Yeah. He, well, I think what he's trying to do. Yeah, it's probably for the Korean War. But I think what he's trying to do is, like, change his path before he fails. Right. He's trying to preempt that by make saying that that decision is his okay to not be an uh, in, so in, maybe there's a little nuance sure but a little bit to not be an in, in owner anymore so yeah he's gonna sell the inn and go back to the army what he doesn't know is that in the mail there's already a letter from washington saying uh-uh saying no we don't Sorry. Have a, we don't have a place for you so he's super sad about this and so Bob decides to discuss with Phil the prospect of bringing in, like, their whole battalion or company or whatever it's called to be in the audience on opening night. Okay, so Bob is going to go on TV onto the, what is his name? The Ed, Ed Harrison, Harrison show. show. And every time they said it, I was like, Ed Harris? I know, me too. <laughs> so he's going, he's going to go on the Ed Harrison show and, like, tell... Hopefully that the all the people everyone they have to come out and right. support General Waverly. I guess he's like specifically calling out to the 151st. I don't know how big divisions are in yeah. the army, but it sounds like a big one. It must be. I mean, if it's all like, I mean, probably like what couple thousand. I mean, how many people are one is are are under one general? I would. Th- I mean, what song do you think they sing to their generals in the army today? Do you think it's the old man? I don't. I don't think that they send that they sing songs to their generals. Again, I don't know how wars work. I don't know how they work. I'm that's, just curious. That's one of the big things is singing "We Love You." So he calls out to the hundred and fifty-first, or just any person that loves. Well, he says he's going to. He hasn't done it yet. Right. He calls out to Ed Harrison right. on the on the telephone first. Right. But I mean, before he actually they they make this plan that he's going to. Before that actually happens, they they put in the choreography number 
for no reason. Well, they they sort of go on at the same time. Like, yeah. while Davis is doing the choreography rehearsal, right. Wallace is calling Ed Harrison, and right. Emma is eavesdropping. Yeah, she is Miss Busybody So should we? Do you want to talk about choreography first? I think so. I think that Emma misunderstands after the number. Um... I mean, we've already talked about it a lot. It's just like kind of this. It's so avant-garde. Yeah, but it's it's making fun of avant-garde. It's like it's I'm, about the theater, right? And the lack of dancing. Yeah, it's not dance anymore. It's choreography. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really view it as totally making fun of artsy type uh, dancing theater. I don't know what it was supposed to be. <laughs> But I didn't view but it as... But his mannerisms and, like, he's got, he's got like, he's wearing eyeliner. And he's very, like, I don't know. He it seems and like I it's guess making if fun you, of. I guess if it's, like, solely for comedic effect, then you have to view it as a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But I was watching this movie and wondering, like, I don't know. The men seem much more effeminate in this movie than they do in most modern movies. Yeah, totally. I mean, we've got, like, two male superstars that are totally willing to put on makeup and, you know, do the thing. Maybe if it's just for comedy that right. doesn't really I mean, translate. But they're also but like singing said, about it, how they love their general, which is not an expression right, they're not, that you they're hear not a, a lot. They're not a, as afraid in, of... In a macho, you know, context. Yeah, they're not as afraid of, like, showing their emotions about... And even Ed Harrison that. says, oh, if it weren't for that man, I wouldn't know how to peel a potato, which I guess you would look as a domestic thing. Right. But I think as... And as the general shows, you know, doing these household chores, that that's just what you do. So did you know that there was an... I mean, it's an un, unsubstantiated rumor... But it was in some uh, unofficial biography of Laurence Olivier that he... About Danny Kaye. About that, that Laurence Olivier and Danny Kaye yeah. had, had an ongoing relationship. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Because I, I learned about that on Reddit, which is take it with a grain of salt. Right. And then... But there's that scene that we're, we're basically at in the movie, um, plot-wise, where mm-hmm. she, Judy... Um, younger sister Judy is trying to convince Private Davis that they have to pretend to get engaged. And he's very like, ew, women. He's like, very, I'm like, he the, won't even kiss like, her. I'm not the type. <laughs> he he even says that he's, he's not the marrying kind, mm-hmm. nor is he the engaging kind. Mm-hmm. He says that he feels the same way about her as his cocker spaniel. Yeah, very mean. <laughs> and then, and then when he when he ultimately agrees to this scheme, and the scheme is if if we convince her that we're engaged, she'll feel comfortable to let me go because she's the mother hen type, right? And do what she wants to do right. to achieve her dreams of meeting a man or whatever. Which is why I was confused as to their. Do you so? What do you think about this this internet theory that that the character is gay? Oh, I didn't read the, that. Oh, well, that's what I was getting at. Okay, yeah. yeah. So there's this big internet theory, especially on Reddit, that the character is gay. And that's why he's so anti-marriage. He talks about her the same way he does a Cocker Spaniel. Does he, does he ever talk about it ever having any sort of relations with women in the movie? Uh, I remember about that his he... history? I don't 
think so, no. I, I know that he's desperate to set Wallace up with a girl, and he says it's because he just wants some time to himself. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I can see that. I could see it, but I think it's also stretching. It's. I don't think that they would have, I don't know, I don't think they would have written something like that into the movie intentionally. That provocative for no. the time. Unless there was, like, proof that that, um, that the, the person they brought in to rewrite was, okay. Unless there was proof that there was, um, the person that they brought in to rewrite was, like, gay or something, or, like... It was rumored to be gay, or else why would that writer put well, it so in Well, so what's there? the deal with the Laurence Olivier it's rumor? Just, it's just a rumor that they, they were... That in they a relationship. Had, that they had a relationship, yeah. Yeah. And, and it wasn't ever substantiated by anybody else or corroborated. It was just in this, like, one unofficial Laurence Olivier biography. Oh, so, yeah, it wasn't written by Laurence Olivier. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, that's quite a rumor. But I mean, he he does. I mean, I don't want to label anybody or be unfair to anybody's. I don't know, but he seems very gay. A little. <laughs> I mean, his repulsion to just like being near her sometimes mm-hmm. is is a little. It just comes across as a little strong, like. And he doesn't. I have, understand if you're not attracted to her, but why are you? Oh my god! Why are you god, calling are you, her a cocker spaniel? Yeah, I mean, why are you like trying as hard as you can to inch away from her? And she's her? like, "I'm not ugly, am I?" And she's very much not. Yeah, and he's like, "No," but yeah. But at the beginning, he he does say, "Look at those brown eyes." Yeah. Referring to Judy. Uh huh. And and then Wallace says, "No, they're blue," and he's like, "No, they're brown." And then he realizes, oh, he's looking at Betty. Yeah, they're they're both they're looking at different people. But which is why, and uh, I don't know, which is why this this scene doesn't make any sense because he obviously had does a crush like, on does her. Does like her, yeah. But yeah, he definitely does not want to marry her. Right. All right. So Emma is eavesdropping on Bob's call with Ed Harrison, and misunderstands. Ed Harrison is trying to get Bob to make it. This sort of... Schmaltzy, as they say. Yeah, and this ploy to make money. More or less. Or he's, he's offering the opportunity. Right. He's saying, let's put the whole thing on film. You'll get one to $200,000 worth of free ads yeah. if we do this. And which is, I don't understand. I don't really understand why this is such a offensive, such an offensive idea to them. It's an angle. <laughs> right, but they're also they're performers, but they're also business people who need to make money. And if I don't know, right? Uh, assuming that, uh, and I'm assuming that some of that money would go to the general if it works. I don't think it's the most terrible idea either. What I really don't get is, okay, so Emma doesn't hear the part where Wallace repudiates the idea. He right. says, "We're not doing that. This isn't for us. It's it's just for him." Great, fantastic. Emma. Because they because they think that it will humiliate the general to right. She's but so, so why she is it get why is it part. less why is it less humiliating to go on and say what actually happens? Right, that's what I'm not understanding either. Okay, so so Emma's upset that they're gonna humiliate the captain. He's gonna or the general. He's gonna be on screen and he's gonna look pathetic. Right. What actually happens 
is only Bob Wallace goes on screen. And says how pathetic the general is. Basically, yes. <laughs> like No one hires him. No one hires him. He's sad and unemployed. I could not figure out, like, how is this better than what was imagined other than the general doesn't have to show his face. Doesn't have to show his face and is not getting any money for it. All he's getting is... I don't. I don't understand. I really. I didn't get it either. I it's didn't like get it humiliating, either. humiliating him without getting right any money. because <laughs> the Columbia Inn would have also received advertisement. Right. Had they just filmed the whole thing. Right. Yeah. I don't really get it. But most importantly, Bob Wallace said on camera on the Ed Harrison show, and the actors and the performers, they're not getting anything out of this. Yeah. We're doing he made it, it clear. We're doing it just for charity, just for just our poor, for our pitiful ge- general. Yeah, yeah. There's no benefit other than this old man not feeling washed up. <laughs> oh, and it, and also, we need you to cancel your plans. Right. We know it's Christmas. I know it's Eve. Christmas Eve, but <laughs> he also makes the entire crew of his show. Cancel everything, come to Vermont for Christmas Eve. Just so the general doesn't feel bad. Which, I'm sorry, it's a very anti-Christmas sentiment. Like, how many Christmases did this man ruin by making them all come to Vermont? Right. And he was the one who didn't want to have Christmas in the war. Listen, White Christmas is not a Christmas movie. Anyway, so... It's not... So Emma spills the beans to Betty. Yeah. And she is big mad. (laughs) She's mad, mad, mad. Uh, She storms in to see Bob Wallace. He wants to do a duet. He wants to sing. The dreaming song or whatever. And she's just not having it. And she won't really communicate what she's mad about. And this is one of those classic movie things where, like, if either of them just said what was actually going on. I hate to take his side in this. I really do. But he does say to her, like, four times, like, will you just tell me what this is about? Right. And she won't. She won't do it. Right. And he even talks about, like... What he like his plans to talk to Ed Harrison or whatever, he brings it up. Yeah. And she never says, Hey, yeah, what's going on with that? Right. She it's, just she it's just one believes question. she just believes the secondhand information from Emma. And she did have a conversation with Private Davis a little bit before this, but again, it's very vague. It's very um Well, yeah, it's like he's like, Did oh, you do get you... the T V thing done? Like, oh, you know what's happening? She's like, Yeah, I know what's happening. He's like, It's great, huh? She's like, Mm-hmm. Right, and it's they're not describing anything that's actually going on, so it's clearly a misunderstanding. No. And he asks her over and over again, will you just tell me what this is? I'm not playing games, just tell me. Mm-hmm. And she refuses to, and then she storms off. And she's not eating. She refuses to eat. Well, and so the <laughs> sister, Judy, and Private Davis assume that's because she's in love. Mm-hmm. Which is not the case. And I think that's when they go into the whole, That's why I decide to get engaged. Be fake engaged to me. And he says, two weeks at the worst. I mean, at the most. (laughs) But he's totally into her. And then um, they announce their engagement at the cast party. At the cast party. Um, 
And this, the girl oh. is there again, the mutual, I'm sure. Mutual, I'm sure. <laughs> and he also, there's another throwback to the Cocker Spaniel thing where he says in front of General Wallet or General General Waverly, uh-huh. he says, um, you know, in some ways, you're far superior to my Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> I don't, Give I don't. Me a freaking break. So, yeah, General Waverly comes over to congratulate them and and says, give her a kiss, and it's a bad one, and then he gives her a real kiss. Yeah, he's like, oh, actually, I think he likes the first one and then kisses her for real. Her outfit is gorgeous. Yes, it is. I love all of the outfits. You know, the the costume designer in this movie, uh, I want to say her name is Edith Head? Yeah. She's famous costume head. designer, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She won eight Academy Awards and, she, and for th- a costume design, including in the movie Sabrina. They've got, um, it's this movie is full of that 50s Dior silhouette. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, it about. is. And, yeah, mostly worn by Vera Ellen. Um, but, so this outfit is like but this. Rosemary Clooney has it, too, in this one. Right. And she's got that mermaid dress at the end that is so... Anyway, so did you notice that all of Vera Ellen's are either turtlenecks or, like, collars that come I up? I did and, notice that, yeah. So there were rumors, unsubstantiated rumors, that there was something... No, I just, I don't think it's real. It's about, they said that she had prematured... Like, aging. premature aging. Because of because her... Because of her anorexia. Right. And I think it was probably just a choice that the costumer made that, like... This she's high the younger neck, sister. This high, these high necks were her thing or something. She's more innocent. And I love a turtleneck. Um, yeah, because there were pictures, just to put out all those rumors, there are pictures of her at uh, the next movie premiere and just pictures of her in general. Showing um, her neck, and it's fine. In between this movie and the next one, yeah, where her neck is on display and mm-hmm. she looks totally fine. I, I think mean, it's just one of those things where, like, this is one of those movies that has been played on TV so much and like similar to Wizard of Oz it's just like all of these rumors down all everything of these, and it just like rumors gets rumors get started just by only watching the movie without any other context sure and one of her friends mm. he supposed that maybe that uh, uh, maybe the the no neck showing thing was just because that was her trademark she always had a necklace or a choker or a collar mm-hmm she always had something on her neck. To me, it felt more like a purposeful costume decision than it sounded, you know. So I said here again, why doesn't she just tell him why she's upset? Yeah, she won't do it. So Betty decides that she's leaving town. And again, so she tells the, the general. And again, he's using army lingo again. He says that leaving would be a tactical error. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. And then Wallace just happens to be at the train station. Right, he's there to... Why is he there? I can't... He's picking up something for the show. Is he meeting the army guys? or I don't know. I think he's just picking stuff up. Yeah. But he, he again, tries to convince her to stay. She doesn't want to. And this is this all the day of the show, or is this the day before? Day before. Okay. Or no, two days before. Because she gets this job and is performing in New York immediately. Yeah, well, I don't know how long a train takes. From Vermont to New York? Yeah. I mean, it depends on how far into Vermont you are. It's a very tall state. So we don't know. Maybe it's like right on the border. 
of Massachusetts. Right. In which case, it's probably four to five hours. That's what I was guessing. Yeah. So, I mean, they can make these trips in a day. Yeah. Um, but he... But it's funny that whatever, wherever she's performing, she can book the day of on Christmas Eve or whatever it is. It just, ha- it all happened very quickly. <laughs> well, that's movie magic. And then Bob is like going to meet her very quickly and he's going to uh, meet with Ed Harrison at this club that she's singing at. Well, yeah, but yeah, we're skipping over the part where sorry, Phil and Judy do tell him what happened. Oh, right. So they, 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 they come clean about their phony engagement. Mm-hmm. And then he gets super mad and says, well, I have to be in New York anyway, so I'm going to stop by her club carousel. Because he thinks that somehow that's why she's mad. Yeah, just like about the engagement itself. Right. Because that's all women care about. You're either ambitious and you care about your career or you care about family. Or you're jealous. It's one of the two. (laughs) And so he... I think they both offer to go themselves, and he's like, no, only I can handle this. Right. And so he goes to Club Carousel, and... um, Oh, he's got to go to New York to be on TV. Right, he has to be there anyway. Right. He has to be on the Ed Harrison show, so he just goes to Club Carousel before, and as soon as she sees him there, she tries to cancel the the planned number love you didn't do right by me exactly and she says do blue skies do anything else but they're like no this is a perfect song because this is like yeah it's like a broken heart song and it is a perfect song i love this song it's maybe the strongest performance in the entire movie yeah i mean it is and like i said this like black mermaid halter dress the set design is beautiful the the, yeah the dress is beautiful her rhinestone gloves the dancer all of it oh yeah and and that sheer curtain that Mm -hmm. comes the hot pink the black dress yeah the male prop dancers. Which is also, funny. It's funny that they bring in these like modern dancers for this when they had just made fun of it in that other. Okay, but did you recognize any of those dancers? Were they the same ones from? No. Oh. But one of them is um, George uh, Clooney. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, <laughs> George Clooney does make an appearance later in the film. Really? No, I'm just okay. no, absolutely not. He wasn't born. Okay, so... Uh, George Chakiris, who won... He was in West Side Story. Um, He's Bernardo, the leader of the Sharks. He won Best Supporting Actor um, a few years later. Interesting. And he's an uncredited dancer in White Christmas. And he's seen throughout it, but his biggest moment is definitely in this song. In the Black yeah, Turtleneck well, or whatever. Well, he's one of her props. Yeah. You yeah. know, she she rests her her shoulder, or her her elbow, or her head on him. She, this yeah, this outfit, everything about it, like this song is. Yeah, great. she talks about um, this outfit in particular. A lot of people were very in love with it, um, and with Edith, the costume designer for it. And apparently, the way that the you know that pin on the back of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was added last a minute. It was all diamonds. Yeah. 
And Edith looked at it and said, we need something to break up this all black. And it also shows, it's the way that it's placed shows the curve. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Rosemary Clooney talked about it as she put this pin on my butt. (laughs) That's what she says. She did put a pin on her butt, but it looked good. It looks great. She also mentions that apparently Edith really preferred dressing men over women. Really? Um, yeah, she said her favorite outfit was the one that Danny Kay wears for the um, the best things happen when you're dancing. Uh-huh. Uh, dance number by the lighthouse where he's wearing the all gray suit with gray shoes and gray socks and how it was all monochromatic. monochromatic yeah. Yeah, she really loved that because it would provide an unbroken line. Interesting. Yeah. I, I find that surprising. I feel like most people do not prefer I feel And I men. think that Edith Head is like one of, she's one of, if not the most legendary costumers, I think. Yeah. Of all time. Oh, there you go. Um, so, uh, okay, so he, she comes down to sit with him after, and he see like, Ed Harrison leaves. She has another chance to be like, hey, what's going on with Ed Harrison? doesn't he explains that the yeah. engagement was fake she's, she that's not why she's mad so he's at a loss because that's not what she's mad about she's still mad so she storms off but do, she does make a point to watch the tv show right and uh davis makes a point to make sure that waverly does not the general does not watch the show so he feigns a <laughs> ankle injury yeah, he feigns an ankle injury, and I'm sure, I'm sure for the '50s, this was a very funny moment. Yeah, him him being like, "Oh no, I just wanted to walk around a little bit more." I will say, I do like his socks. Kid socks. Yeah, I mean they're bright yellow. Like it's, I I see what she's talking about in the enjoying dressing men part. Yeah. Um, so head, that is. But so Betty sees this TV spot and she's like, she "Oh my God, I was like, wrong." Oh, I finally understand. Yeah. I I just don't really understand the difference, but or why it's so much better. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Um, but he tells the story of he basically uses most of his time with the with this song, like you mentioned, that it, it really is like poor p- pitiful general. Yeah. Um. But apparently this is better than Who's asking for money. Who's got a job for a general when he stops being a general? Uh, here comes the general, and they all say, General who? Yeah, I just, I, okay, I just don't get it. One and two and three and four star. Yeah. General's unemployed. Such a bummer. So, it basically, it works. Oh, yeah, he invites everyone in the 151st. Yeah, and it, show, and it shows. Army. And it shows. Oh, first, first, Bob warns the the train station attendants like it's gonna be crazy here tomorrow. Oh, I missed that. And then they show um, all of these army guys arriving. Gotcha. Um, so the next day, Emma and Susan, Emma the housekeeper, Susan the granddaughter, trying to convince him just wear your army uniform. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to for, I think, somewhat obvious reasons. And they say, well, your all of your two suits right. are at the dry cleaner, so, so you have to wear this. They, basically, they hid them so that he would wear his uniform, yeah. is what I'm assuming. And when he, he finally does agree to come down in his uniform... 
He walks into the snack slash fire pit slash stage room mm-hmm. <laughs> where everything happens. <laughs> and everyone stands up and uh, they start singing this old man song about how much they love him. Yes, we love him. Yes, we love him. And he loves it. They he's... really love him. And he's crying. Oh, also Betty is back. Oh, we missed that one song um, they were rehearsing before before um, we see Betty in New York. Abraham number. Yeah. Yes. It's one of my favorites. It's just like a big dance number. Oh, it's so beautiful, though. It looks like she's having the most fun on stage with, I want to say, I've never heard his name out oh, loud. Oh, is this when she's in that little yellow? Yes. yes. Yeah, this one's really good. And and I please forgive me if I get the name wrong, because I've never heard it out loud, but I think his name is John Brassia. Or okay. Bra- Brassia? He looks familiar. Um, like, he's her dance partner in mm-hmm. a lot of different movies. Yeah. And I think this is probably his strongest scene uh, in this movie. Mm-hmm. They just, they really look like they're having so much fun. There's so much clapping and they're smiling at each other. And they're and so comfortable together. It, they're so comfortable together. I really, really love this song. Mm-hmm. I love it. I also love her hair. I love when her hair's down. She looks... Really cute. I agree. <laughs> I know. She's adorable. And so when this uh, dance rehearsal ends, that's when we get to Wallace um, and they're revealing that the engagement was fake. Right. Okay. Right after this. Okay. Yeah. All right. So skipping ahead again. So um, the army number just happened. She, reve- <laughs> she revealed. Oh, yeah. And she I, re- I want to say I love the big... You know, the big body the props? <laughs> yeah. What, what was the point of that, We though? would do a disservice to overlook those. <laughs> I don't know what the point was. It um, was cute, though. It's funny. It reminds me of, like, a vaudeville kind of a thing. Exactly. I think that was the point. I yeah. think the song is dumb because, obviously, none of you would rather be in the army. Is, is that supposed to be the humor of it? Like, that it's kind of ridiculous to miss the war? I mean, no, I think it's, like, pro-war propaganda. It's, uh, yeah, like, getting, like, making people like, oh, yeah, we should go to Korea. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, this whole movie makes me question, like, did y'all go to war? Because you guys seem like you're really into it, and, like, it's summer camp. Yeah, I wonder I, did, I wonder if Bing, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye did go. I don't know. I should have looked that up. Yeah. Probably. Uh, the timing is right, but... So we get into this finale number when they've all put on their Santa-ish costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, she puts... So much red satin. Yeah. it's. I mean, they're beautiful. And then when Vera Ellen spins in it, great. Um, I love I love twirling in a dress. Um, Who doesn't? But so she, like you said, she sneaks this package into his bag of of presents that he's going to give out to the kids on stage right um and it's this knight in shining armor right so it's basically (laughs) very literal it's pretty on the nose (laughs) she is telling him that you can be that knight in shining armor can i also say it's hard to let go can i also say that it i feel like it's in pretty poor taste that they like build a set of like a blown out building to for the army song. 
What do you mean? Oh, did they? I don't. I just remember like the cartoon drawings behind. You know what I'm talking about? There, they have these. It's a yellow backdrop with just like cartoon drawings of like men in the army and everyday situations. So when it first when it first opens when they first open the curtain on this scene, it's what before all the army guys march out. It's like this scene of like this like blown out building face like smoke it's it's i don't know i feel like that might be a little bit triggering to somebody who's coming who had been in these horrible battles in the war but they're definitely romanticizing it i i think this movie does a lot of war romanticizing yeah for sure absolutely 100 percent. um so they do the the titular song white christmas there's a little ballet with the kids they love our titular songs on um, this podcast <laughs> yeah the the child ballerinas come out mm-hmm. and uh when she when she gives him the the present they kiss and then danny yes. k's like oh may as well and then he and and then um, the general receives notice that it has begun snowing, and they open up the doors and they clear away the sets. So the backdrop so that is the, the backdrop real. Backdrop is the actual snow, and they mm-hmm. sing "White Christmas," and it is a very lovely performance. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, but <laughs> kind of the only kind of the only Christmas moment it's in the, the movie. It's the only Christmas moment in the movie, right? Aside from them mentioning Christmas and the other time that they perform White Christmas, it's... Yeah, yeah. for the most part, yeah. Um, so, what, um, Kelsey, do you have any favorite things from this movie? Mm. <laughs> if you had to choose. Okay, I do have a couple of favorite things. Okay. I I wrote down four. Okay. The when you're dancing sequence, mm-hmm. I really love it. Like their first song, their first dance number together. When you're dancing, yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I really love the "Love You Didn't Do Right by Me." That's one of mine as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, it's a everything. The production, the dress, the gloves, her voice. Number three, <laughs> number three for me is the fireplace. I had the fireplace too. Slash not- conversation then. <laughs> and then number four dash five is all other scenes with Vera Ellen. Oh yep. Yeah. Okay, so I also had Love You Didn't Do Right by Me. Um one of my favorite um kind of funny things is that the town is called Pine Tree. The town is called Pine Tree and the inn is called Columbia. <laughs> it just yeah, it's it's a little confusing. Yeah, in it would my make, book. made more sense if the town was Columbia and it's the Pine Tree Inn. I would agree. But yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I hate to say this again, but it's pretty on the nose <laughs> that the town is called Pine Tree. It is. Um, I also had the the fireplace and the coziness of the lodge. Um, I also liked Emma the busybody. Oh yeah, I love her. And she's she was a character actress. I think those in a lot. I recognize her. I think I feel like she was she in a, was. Lot, a lot of things at the time. Um, all of the costumes, way to go, yeah. M- Ms. Head, Edith Head. Um, and then for the sheer ridiculous factor, Snow. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and give a shout out to Bing Crosby's um, slang Crosbyisms. 
Yeah, we I, that was something. Earlier. That was something I didn't notice. So thank you for. Yeah, he was a hip cat. Seems like. Okay, so let's talk about if you could recast. Redo, yeah. Okay, so for recast, I have a couple of. So for Bob Wallace, I think that my moment of genius here is Jamie Fox. Oh. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, I also wrote down Hugh Jackman and Ewan McGregor. Hugh Jackman and Ewan McGregor are always going to be on the list of possible male leads. I think so. Always. Um, Because they are mwah. And and I didn't include Timothy Chalamet (laughs) in this list because I don't think he, I mean, he's not old enough to have been in the war 10 years ago. Oh, Timothy. Um, I love Timothy, but I agree. Timothy is not on my list. Um, for so, Phil, oh yeah, we can do character by character. So yeah, what do you here's have for the Bob? deal. Um, okay. I also said Hugh Jackman because mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Um, I went ahead and threw in Michael Bublé. Oh, a crooner. A crooner. I see. What about oh? Oh, he's probably too old now, but we can go back to the 90s. Is there anyone too old? <laughs> you know, it's time for Harry Connick Jr. to settle down and start a family. But, Harry right? Connick Jr. would be perfect. Right? Oh, my God. No. I mean, if we're going to stick with the ages in the original, then Harry Connick Jr. would be perfect. Right. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. Um. I also said, okay, are we on Phil Davis Phil yet? Davis, yeah. What about... Okay, I said um, Ryan Gosling. Oh, I can see he this. He was in La La Land. Yeah. He can sing and sort of dance, and, and Danny Kay only sort of dance. I mean, he dances. Yeah. He's a good dancer, but he's not a... He's, he's not, not a Vera He's not Ellen. a Vera Allen. It's yeah. not his... Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, I have some, I, I said Eddie Redmayne. <gasps> can he dance? I don't know. But I he hope seemed, he can. But it seemed like it might. I really love yeah. Eddie Redmayne. Jake I love Gyllen- him. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal is an automatic yes on yeah. every musical ever. And I think that he might be able to deliver like the kind of kookiness. Um, I also said other cast members, but I'm not sure where. John Legend. <laughs> oh, John John um, Legend could I think John Legend could do Bob. I agree. Chris Pine. Mhm. Could do Phil, either. Yeah. Either. Yeah, he could do either. And Chris Messina, who is a very good dancer. Chris Messina? Yeah. He was on... Uh, Chris, okay. oh, Chris Messina. Yeah. I thought you were saying... Chris, Chris Messina. <laughs> Christmas Eve. <laughs> I throw it like one word. Christmas Eve. <laughs> mm. Christmas no, on the brain. Chris Messina, who was a very good dancer. Is he the one that was in um, that Amy Adams uh, uh, HBO show? Yes. Okay, yeah. Sharp Objects. Yeah. Yep, sure was. He cute. Um, I also had I also had James Marsden down for Phil, maybe. Oh my God, I love James Marsden. I forgot about him. Um, for Betty, uh, it kind of runs the gamut for me. Um, I said, and as much as I don't like her, I feel like she could maybe 
play and this Betty role. Betty is Rosemary Clooney's yeah. role. Um, as much as I don't like her, I think that she might be able to pull this role off, and that's Zoe Deschanel. Ooh, I was going to say Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah. Yeah? That could, she could do it, too, I think. She has a very... She sings. Mm-hmm. Oh, they actually both sing and have a very low... Deep voice. And kind of that throwback kind of voice they both have, right? Yeah. Um, who else did I say? Um, Queen Latifah. Okay. Okay. I um, like that. Uh, well, let me see. Catherine Zeta-Jones. She... Yeah. I, okay. So I think that the women should be allowed to be whatever age we want them to be. Yeah. Considering... Bing Crosby was 51. <laughs> so, yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah. can totally do it. And I have no idea if she can sing, but, I, but I'm but i also in the middle of watching Dawson's Creek, so I said <laughs> Michelle Williams. Um, yeah, I don't know if she can, <laughs> but I love her. But she's so poised. Do you have another suggestion for the sister? For Judy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Zendaya. <laughs> yeah. So, a thing about this podcast is we're always going to recommend that Zendaya yeah. be, in, be in a movie. Yeah. If, if, if you're just tuning musical. in. We love Zendaya. Right. She, she could, you know what? She can do anything. Yeah, she could do anything. So we I love said, her. I said Zendaya. I said Renee Zellweger. Uh, okay. Maybe. Uh, I'm just, I said okay. Emma Stone. I wrote down Emma Stone yeah. as well, mm-hmm. but it's a question mark. I wrote down Emma Stone. And somebody I think that we've been forgetting th- Say th- it. is Anna Kendrick. You're absolutely right. Right? I've been forgetting Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. but you know who you've been forgetting? Emily Blunt. Oh, she sings. She uh-huh. would be great. I think she would be a good Betty. You think she would be a good Judy? I, well, okay, so I'm not going to lie. I kind of wrote down the sisters interchangeably. Okay. Because um, there's not a lot of character development no. in either I mean, of just them. that one is like a little more matronly. I would recommend Emily Blunt for Betty. For the, yeah. For, the non-dancing for, role. Yeah. I have the actress. For Judy? For Judy. Are you ready for I'm this? I'm ready. Sutton Foster. I was thinking of Sutton Foster. It has I, to be Sutton Foster. Because she's such a dancer. She's. I really miss um, dancers being famous. Mm-hmm. Just dancers. Have you like, seen any of, her, any of her clips from Anything Goes? Nope. Like this huge dancing number? I'm, I'm sure it's incredible. Yeah, it's great. I've seen enough of her. Of her. I've seen... Ain't enough. Enough. One enough. I've seen one enough of her. I've seen. Listen, I've seen enough of Sutton Foster. Yeah, she could do it. To know she's incredible. Mm -hmm. I also wrote down and hear me out. Okay. Because she was on Glee. Heather Morris. Was she Britney S. Spears or whatever? 
I think so. She was the girl that uh, I the mean, she one. was in one of Beyonce's. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, videos. Yeah, and she can clearly sing and dance. Exactly, she's a, she's a very good dancer. Yeah, I think we need to bring back people being famous just for dance, not just for dancing. What about that dancer but for dancing? What about that dancer who's like Sia's protege? Oh, um. Gosh, what's her name? She was on Dance Moms. I know. I know exactly you were talking um, about, but I can't remember her name. It starts with an M. Yeah, I don't remember her name. M- Mia or Mandy or... JJ knows. My husband knows this. She's young. Yeah. Um, Maddie. Maddie. Maddie Ziegler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she could... If we're bringing dancing in. She's like 14. I thought she was like of age now. I don't know. By the time we get around to making this movie, Kelsey, she'll be old enough. Yeah. We just need her to be 26. <laughs> um, I think those are all of my recasting. I also wrote yeah. down... Uh, I didn't really recast anybody else, although, you know, whatever. Yeah. We could have Donald Sutherland as the captain. <laughs> Can you tell the shows I'm watching? (laughs) Have you been watching The Undoing? I have to catch up majorly on The Undoing. Holy, holy. The Undoing. It's so good. (laughs) It is so undid. The the Undoing is very good. I watched the finale last night. All right. I I have to finish it, so um, I'm excited. Did you know Nicole Kidman sings the theme song? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen Moulin Rouge enough times. To know that voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's very familiar to I me. I think Moulin Rouge should be the next episode. Let's do Moulin Rouge next. All right. Um, but I think it's a little bit funny. It's a little we bit should. funny that <laughs> that Nicole Kidman sings the theme song for her own show. But you know what? More power, more power to her. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to add? Before, I don't. Before we, we should, end, we should cut this off. <laughs> Well, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you all. Yeah, we'll be on a break. Yeah, we'll we'll be back. I think uh, after the new year to keep bringing you quality content about movie musicals on the Hills Are Alive Movie Musical Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Kelsey. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that was longer than I thought it was going to be.